Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. MPB Radio Reading Service provides blind Mississippians like me with access to news, books, and sale info that helps me save money. That's my MPB story. March 26th, I'm Ezra Wall. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, how the state will make improvements to roads and bridges is in question as Mississippi legislators fail to agree on a bill this session. Could a special session be called to address the crumbling infrastructure? We'll talk about it. Then on Everyday Tech, the experts have advice for malware on your devices. They'll talk about what it is and how to fight it. Then we'll hear from a few Mississippians taking a stand against gun violence on the heels of marches throughout the state this weekend. They're saying enough is enough. This is for every student, parent, friend, teacher, neighbor, everyone affected by gun violence. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Despite another week of negotiations, Mississippi's legislative session will close without an infrastructure plan in place. Negotiations stalled over the Bridge Act. The Senate version of the bill could inc- uh, included $20 million in new money, using dollars earmarked for the Rainy Day Fund and a portion of the Mississippi Department of Transportation's budget for roads and bridges. The House version added a provision that would divert some use tax monies to counties and municipalities. Though lawmakers from both chambers say they've resolved some of the issues, the, sen- the Senate wanted municipalities to match state funding dollar for dollar, which the House opposed. Democratic Senator Willie Simmons of Cleveland tells MPB's Desiree Frazier House Speaker Philip Gunn declared the bill dead, though time was left for further negotiation. We had worked so hard. Both the Senate had come with a bill that had a billion dollars in it, and the House had a bill with a billion dollars in it. We both had different ways of doing it. But to quit so early when you haven't completed the harvest, I thought was probably not the proper thing to do. And I don't know why the speaker did that. Uh, He has to answer that uh, question. I understand the sticking point was um, matching monies for municipalities. So is there any way to get around it at this point? The concern is that the municipalities do not have the funds to match, although we was giving them dollars back in the way of diverging and increasing the 18 cents to 20 cents and they could use those dollars for a match but if that is a problem then my thoughts would be that we leave the municipalities 
at the level where they are. And we deal with the counties uh, who indicated that they was willing to put in a match. And we go forward, and then the counties and municipalities can work together. But in reality, if you look at it, the federal government is not responsible for taking care of the highway system in the state, although we depend heavily on them and get about 45% of our budget from the federal government. We know that we at the state level have to do that. We also know that if we're going to take care of the entire transportation infrastructure, it is a local issue also. And everybody, both municipalities and the counties, have to have some skin in the game. So when we say that there's a match, we recognize that it is the state responsibility to carry the weight, the heavyweight, so to speak. But all forms and all levels of government, both municipalities and counties, the state and federal government, are going to have to come together and put together the dollars that's necessary to take care of our infrastructure. What happens now? Well, now, if we want to do something, there are two ways we can do it. We can wait until next year and come into the legislative session and act on it, or the governor can call us into a special session and we can do it. Do you see that happening at this point? The need is so great that if I was the governor of the state of Mississippi, I would have the legislators in special session within a few days after we sent it down and putting on the table that we should address the issue of the transportation infrastructure because it's a safety issue as well as an economic development. Why is it so hard to move this issue forward? You need to talk to 174 members of the state legislature. Uh, we looked at the state senate and we don't have the support to raise any kind of tax or fees. And that was the reason that Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeds, uh, Senator Fillingain and myself came forward with a measure that was going to put a billion dollars into the infrastructure system to help start in the process, but we didn't do it utilizing any new revenue for the most part except for a small amount that's going to be generated from the new kinds of uh, transportation that we have in the state. And the reason we did that was because during the past six years, our members on the Senate side ever told us over and over again that they were not supportive of a state of a tax increase, either fuel tax or any other form of tax that was going to raise the kind of money that we need. So the question has to be from the citizens of the state of Mississippi to the members of the state legislature, what is it and how is it that you plan to take care of the infrastructure in the state of Mississippi? Senator Willie Simmons. Republican Joey Fillingain of Summerall chairs the Senate Finance Committee. He tells our Desiree Frazier a match will be required at some point. Um, there were a few differences of opinion. In my opinion, not the great a difference of opinion, but nevertheless, um, there was one provision um, dealing with monies that we were going to give to municipalities out of the state general fund for infrastructure projects. And as part of that, we were requiring, in our language, a one-to-one, you know, dollar-for-dollar local match, as we did with the county provision. And our friends in the House agreed with requiring the match for counties, but um, for some reason, yesterday, late yesterday afternoon, decided that they did not want a similar match for any municipal dollars, um, claiming that they were strapped for cash and didn't have any extra monies and these types of things. So... um, Unfortunately, um, there was no deal reached over that one provision, which then sort of tanked the entire bill, at at least at this point. Was that the only sticking point? That was the main sticking point. There may have been one or two small differences on other 
small provisions, but I'll have to say that on the federal government level now, we know that states and communities are going to be required to do matching funds. We think that's sort of the way the future is going to go with regard to infrastructure, and we're trying to get sort of into that mindset here in Mississippi because that appears to be the way things are going to go from this point forward. What about the rainy day fund? I would think the 2%, you diverting that would have been an issue at some point. Yeah, and um, you know we reached agreement on that provision. We had gone from a 2% to a 1%. So we halved that um, for whatever concern that it may have been taking too much out of the rainy day fund. We reached an agreement on that. So like I said, I think we got about 90 or 95% of the way towards an agreement. But um, you know if you're going to give state monies... You know, dollars that are currently going to the state general fund, you're going to give them to towns and cities across the state for infrastructure. I think it's quite reasonable to expect the local governments to put, you know, match up and put some skin in the game. That's the whole purpose of giving them dollars is to incentivize local spending as well on these infrastructure projects that we all agree are much needed. What do you think it's going to take to reach an agreement on doing something for our roads and bridges? Well, I think it's going to take some more public pressure on our friends in the House to realize that, you know, we are serious. We put a very serious proposal forward that does real investment on infrastructure across the state. And, um, you know, I think reasonable minds can disagree over what is the best way of of getting there. But uh, the Senate certainly, I think, can't be faulted for trying very hard this year to put together a reasonable package of major investment infrastructure. And that's what we've tried to do repeatedly this session. That's Senator Joey Fillingain. Republican Charles Busby of Pascagoula is chairman of the House Transportation Committee. He tells Desiree Frazier he had been hopeful, but they reached a stalemate. It's, uh, it's pretty disappointing that uh, we get this close to getting something done. Now, uh, it wasn't a long-term solution to our infrastructure problems, but it allowed us to begin addressing immediate needs. And uh, would have gotten us through the next couple of years, and uh, I was very hopeful that we'd be able to come out with something. But in the end, it appeared to be structured such that um, the the money that was going to be made available to our cities and counties was going to require new money from them to match that money. And uh, we just didn't see how that was possible. So in the end, that was the Senate's position, and uh, we couldn't agree with that, so we ended up with nothing. On the House side, you put House Bill 722 in there. Do you think that there was some disagreement on that as well? Yeah, I think there was. Uh, I believe that the Senate felt like that 722 was too detrimental to the general fund. But, uh, you know, we think we could find a way to do that. And uh, in the end, that was some of the breakdown of the philosophy that, that got us to where we are. Well, that 2% that the Bridge Act had would have come from the Rainy Day Fund. So that was probably um, an issue as well. It was. Uh, we felt like that was, uh, that was a little too risky, that we wanted to reduce that to 1%. And I think that was something we could work out there. I think uh, in the end it was the, the uh, 722, the use of the, of the use tax, a portion of the use tax, which some of which should be going back to cities anyway, uh, that, that we couldn't really hammer out. Ultimately, the Bridge Act had $200 million in new money, so there wasn't a lot of new money in there for roads and bridges. Like I said, it didn't solve the problems long term. It gave us an opportunity to immediately address our, our biggest needs, and we still have the $50 million uh, in the LSPP program, which is going to be a big, big help to our counties on all of these bridges that, uh, that need to be replaced. What do you want to see next legislative session 
in terms of dealing with transportation? I think we need to do something long-term. I've, I've been an advocate for doing a swap from the uh, 4% income tax and raising the fuel tax. And I still think that's what we need to do, uh, and I will continue to push for that. Representative Charles Busby with our Desiree Frazier. The House and Senate agreed on a borrowing package that includes $50 million for local bridges. The 2018 session is slated to end this week. Coming up, we'll hear from a few of the Mississippians taking a stand against gun violence on the heels of marches throughout the state and the country this weekend. That's after Everyday Tech, where the experts have advice for fighting malware on your devices. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. As donors, we know that MPB makes a difference. Felder on MPB Radio was the catalyst that inspired us to include tea production on our blueberry farm. Our business continues to grow. That's That's our MPB story. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Michelle McAdoo with Wills Couture and Jeremy Thompson. And today we're discussing malware, how to spot current threats, and ways to fend them off. So guys, when we say malware, what exactly are we talking about? Well, really the term malware is short for malicious software. And the way I really tend to think about it is it's kind of an umbrella term for all of those different malicious items that manage to make it onto our tech device. Also, it's probably the most annoying thing that people encounter on their computers from day to day because it can pop up anywhere. It can be a a random pop-up on your computer or you could be up on the Internet or, or clicking on something in your email and it can pop up. So knowing what it is and knowing how to uh, treat the problem is definitely something that everybody with a, an electronic device needs to know. When you start seeing a slowing down phone, a slowing down computer, a slowing down laptop, typically malware is going to be to blame for that. How do we recognize malicious programs and links in email or on the web? My policy is don't click on links in your email unless you know the person and the email looks like something that they would send you. You can kind of tell how people send their emails. I always write mine like a form letter, so I have a salutation and all that. So if you got something from me that says, check this out, that is suspect. The the best rule of thumb, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to uh, links, whether they're an email or even on the web, is if I'm going somewhere, especially if I'm going somewhere that has my personal or financial information, I don't click a link. I'm going to type it in myself. If I'm going to my bank, I'm going to type my bank's name in rather than follow any link that I'll ever see in an email. Absolutely. Um, you always want to make sure that the link that you're, if, if you're going to click on the link, you need to make sure that it's actually going to the address that appears because it's possible for them to make it look like it's going to Google when it's really going to something else completely different. Um, it's possible to uh, put your mouse over the link and you can actually see where it's going to take you, or you could also copy the link address and put it in, uh, paste it into Word or Notepad or something and see where it's actually going. Yeah, that's a very, very common trick that folks will do. You may be thinking you're going one place, but you totally end up somewhere else. Um, and a lot of times you don't realize it until it's too late. One very common way that it's been spreading lately is by people uh, receiving an invoice from somebody they know. And so they click on it because they're like, well, what did they send me this for? And as soon as you click on that invoice, they got you too. And they get in your email and they get your address book and they send it out to all your people too. So what are some effective apps for defending your tech? So Wilson and I really believe in two apps that are out there right now. 
Um, you've got a vast antivirus, which we talk about all the time. Uh, it's a great free program. It's also the number one virus protection on the planet. It keeps you protected from most of the things that are out there. Uh, the other one, Wilts, Malwarebytes. Oh, Malwarebytes is just, it's been a, uh, a resident in the stable for quite a while. It just does an extremely effective job at actually tending to removing and just cleaning up from any kind of malware infections. So what do you do if you have become infected? My, my first recommendation, if you already have these programs downloaded on your computer and you've got them updated, disconnect from the Internet. A lot of malware actually uses your Internet connection to power itself. So if you're not on the Internet, then it keeps those pop-ups from coming up when you're removing different programs. That's a good first step. Then definitely run the scan with Malwarebytes first and then uh, run it again after that to make sure that it comes up with zero infections. If you're still noticing any kind of slowdowns or you're still suspect of your computer possibly still being infected, uh, at that particular point would probably be when I would say you'd want to reach out to an IT professional. So, Michelle, when we're talking about malware, we like to go with the old adage, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You do not need to wait for these things to become problems on your computer. You can install these programs now and nip it in the bud before it becomes a massive problem for you. That's true, Jeremy. And if you feel you have been compromised, we need to always remember there are over-the-counter cures for your computer woes. Just like if you're walking down the aisle of your local pharmacy and you see plenty of home remedies, there are several remedies out there for what may be ailing your computer. We will talk more about malware on Everyday Tech, the show that comes on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. You can send us an email to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilts Couture and Jeremy Thompson, I'm Michelle McAdoo. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. As donors, we know that MPB makes a difference. Felder on MPB Radio was the catalyst that inspired us to include tea production on our blueberry farm. Our business continues to grow. That's, That's our, our MPB, MPB story. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Ezra Wall in for Karen Brown. How are you going to give teachers guns? How are you going to solve gun violence with more guns? I am fully aware of the Second Amendment and that we have the right to keep and bear arms, but what civilian needs a semi-automatic weapon? Madison Central High School sophomore Victoria Long is one of many speakers who took to the mic during the March for Our Lives events this weekend. Cheers and chants filled the the air in towns across the state as students, teachers, parents, and supporters came out to call for what they call common-sense gun laws. Maggie Jeffries is a student at Murrah High School in Jackson. She spoke about a recent shooting threat at her school. She says someone discovered on social media site Facebook. We were lucky. Our school shooter didn't exist. He was a hoax. An ill-timed joke created for a laugh that instead caused mass panic. Our president pushes for guns in the hands of teachers. I've held a gun in my own hands and it has not made me feel any safer. Knowing my father keeps guns in his house does not make me feel any safer. Putting guns in the hands of teachers will not make a shooting less likely. Putting guns in the hands of teachers simply creates a reality in which our first choice for dealing with any problem is to kill it. 
feeling your life flash before your eyes, the same way mine did when I read the screenshot of a Facebook post made about a kid that did not exist. Makes you realize that we don't have as much time as we think we do. And there's no such thing as a discussion too early for gun control. It has been 254 years since the first school shooting. It has been 19 years since Columbine. It has been six years since Sandy Hook. And it has been one month and 11 days since Parkland. We are not too early. We are 254 years late. We are 19 years late. We are 138 deaths in the span of six years late. We are millions of dollars from the NRA late. Jeffries tells MPB's Ashley Norwood they were fearful at school. So I know that on that day specifically, I found it really difficult to focus. Um, and, and I know that at one point, uh, we watched as uh, like the, door, the door to my math class was cracked open, and we thought we saw somebody with like, a big trench coat walk by, and like the entire room just went silent. Because like the kids in the room were so convinced that like this was the end of it, so like it was definitely difficult to like focus on like classwork and schoolwork and all that sort of things with the idea that at any second there was the possibility that we wouldn't be alive anymore. What do you guys hope will come of today in days like this? So I think the days like this are super important because like when it comes down to, when it comes down to it. Um, if we're not speaking out, we can't be heard by people. And people, and if we are speaking out, lawmakers and legislators and people and the generations above us can't say that we don't have an opinion. And they can't say that we aren't doing things to try to prevent this. Um, we, the more we speak out and the more we speak out coherently, uh, the more lawmakers will be forced to listen. Or they won't have to listen anymore because they won't be in office. Murrah High School junior Maggie Jeffries. Mary Helen Abel is with advocacy organization Moms Demand Action. She tells MPB's Ashley Norwood she supports the youth advocates in hopes for their safety and that of her own son, Hugh Parker. We're a grassroots organization that is fighting for common sense gun legislation. We are, we support the Second Amendment, um, but we know that that goes hand in hand with a culture of gun safety, and that's what we're fighting for. So tell me about today. What do you expect to happen today? What I've been so delighted about is that we have so many different people here, so many different kinds of people. I got a great message on Facebook last night asking if current gun owners and um, members of the NRA are welcome today, if they are looking for, if they want um, safer schools. And I said, of course, everyone is welcome and that we're not interested in um, doing anything but that, that we're looking to make our children and our families safer um, and that, that we are not... You know, we have most most members of the NRA agree that there should be background checks for every gun sale, public and private. And the membership of the NRA is not our enemy. It's the it is the extreme leadership of the NRA right now that we are trying to be a counterweight to. What's your effort in today? Are you guys oh, like my effort, my effort is to support the kids who decided to make a stand. Um, it's really it was really important for moms and every town moms demand action in every town to show up and to help in any way we could because organizing something like this in four weeks, five weeks is a lot of work. And um, 
you know, these these kids have class during the time that needs somebody needed to meet with the council to make sure that we could get the security and the, and the streets not blocked off like we needed. Um, so we're here as a as support for the kids who who did who who did this. This your kid here. This is this is Hugh Parker Abel. This is my six year old. Can you uh, your name? My name's Hugh Parker Abel, and I'm six years old. So then you also have a personal connection. I do. Um, Hugh Parker is the same age as the kids at Newtown. Um, and I want to know that as he grows up, that he can go, he can go to school, and be safe, and um, that he. Um, you know, I hope that my child never has to do active shooter drills like the kids that are here have to do. That he never has to understand what it means to shelter in place from a threat, a gun threat on campus. Moms demand actions. Mary Helen Abel with our Ashley Norwood. Marchers say they will continue to push for legislation they say will make schools safer. A spokesman for Governor Phil Bryant says the governor encourages Mississippians to exercise their free speech, and he says the safety of school children is his highest priority. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Deep South Dining. Then at 10 o'clock, now you're talking. At 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy, Healthy and Fit. Did you miss part of our show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Ezra Wall. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.